Good morning, Lakeview. I greet you in the strong name of Jesus this morning, and I am uh, so glad to be joining you and uh, sharing this message today during our 21 days of prayer. Um, my name is Zach Bardsley. I uh, have been working as the young adults pastor here, and um, it's always an honor to be able to uh, explore the word with, uh, with each of you. Um, so today, um, I would like to begin with a simple and scary question. Do you feel empty? Do you feel empty? Empty is kind of the key word. Um, those of you that know me um, or have attended Overflow at any time in the last five years or so, uh, know how I feel about feelings, if that makes sense. Um, I don't believe feelings are the best barometer of our spiritual walk. Um, so today we need to focus on the emptiness, the emptiness. And today we're going to explore um, a couple passages of scripture, and uh, those, those will be uh, found in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verses 15 through 23, if you'd like to get ahead and open your Bibles at home. And following that, we will do Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 after that. And today we will pray that God will fix our eyes on his purpose in addressing this issue of emptiness. So now, hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I'll be reading in the ESV today, uh, and it says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And now to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and it says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth 
and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. These two passages are separated by a full chapter between them, but they give us three critical elements along the way, both of them in a very similar pattern. Number one, it gives us a glimpse of powerful prayer. Number two, it gives a profession of God's glory. And number three, it gives a measurement of God's impact. First, let's take a look at a glimpse of a powerful prayer. For this reason, I remember you in my prayers. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Both of these passages begin alluding to a glorious purpose to a prayer. Church, let me get embarrassing for just a moment right away, if you will allow me, please. Paul in this passage is showing us what a real pastor shepherd looks like. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I was six years old, and I just happened to be tiptoeing out of my room at about 5.57 in the morning because I did not want to miss that six o'clock cartoon block in 1991 of G.I. Joe's followed by Transformers. And as I crept down the hall, and as I turned the corner, I heard a sound, and I wasn't quite sure what it was, so I paused in the doorway to my living room. And I listened and peeked around the corner, and I saw my dad. And my dad was hunched over the couch, Bible wide open to his left, on this old, gray, very 90s couch. And he was praying. He was praying for his congregation, our congregation there at First Wesleyan Church in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. And I saw there what kind of man Paul was. And I saw there what kind of man my father was as he pleaded before the Lord for his congregation. And even recently, I experienced the same kind of prayer. Not that I didn't do it for this service, and, and this time, of course, I did. But not but a week ago, I arrived here very early. And I was walking through what I believe to be an empty building. And what did I see in the congregation's space here, this sanctuary? But Pastor Chris, walking up and down the aisles and praying, for you. For this reason, Paul prays. For this reason, my dad would pray. For the very same reason, Pastor Chris would pray. I know even today what kind of shepherd has now been called into Lakeview to bring this church to course through the Holy Spirit's enabling. For this reason, there should be much prayer. What did the passage say? That your hearts may be aligned and enlightened so that Christ may dwell in there. 
Let's look at both of these references for a moment at what Paul is praying about. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, as it says in uh, verse 15 in uh, chapter one, in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. No pastor, Pastor Chris, myself, anyone on the staff, anyone you've come in contact with in the past or the future is able on their own to fix you. So what I'm picking up from this prayer trajectory from our buddy Paul is that we are in need of God to help us get closer to God. And that is something worth praying for. Does that sound weird to anyone else? Let me say it another way. We need him to know him. He is not a God of our invention. We cannot grasp him, comprehend him, but we can get intimacy with him and need intimacy with him in order to what? It says to be filled with the fullness of God. As chapter one puts it, to encounter Christ in the fullness that fills all in all. Is that something you want? To be filled with fullness from God, the fullness of God. And did you catch the commercial for how great that fullness is? All through chapter one and through chapter three, the father of glory, a glorious inheritance, immeasurable greatness, powerful working might with power over the grave, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in all perpetuity forever and ever. That is something worth praying for. And this passage is giving us a glimpse of what powerful prayer looks like. Number two is these passages are making a profession of God's glory. But folks, we have a problem though. You and I are an awful lot like my daughter. And before you're, uh, you folks at home are saying, oh no, don't make that sweet little thing a sermon illustration, guess what? You did not have to put in her pigtails this morning, so dues are paid, I get to do this, okay? You see a lot of cute pictures of Ellie all over Facebook, and even a couple, a couple months ago, wandering these halls in her beautiful little princessy dresses and her bouncy little pigtails and ponytails. But only a few people know Princess Ellie, the usurper. <laughs> Puller of beards, scourge of the snack pantry, haver of meltdowns. And I get it, she's two, okay? That's part of being two. But I, this story just, just was brought to mind as I read this passage just the other day. I had to answer the wailing siren call of my little princess. You see, I asked her to clean up the playroom at the end of the day at our house. And of course, somehow she takes that as daddy doesn't love her anymore to ask her to do this peasant task. Um, so she was already pretty distraught uh, by the time she went in there. But I 
hear her in great distress, and she was holding one of her tiaras in her hand, one of her many tiaras, plural, tiaras, okay? She has quite the collection. And she was weeping over a little Rubbermaid tub that we used to store up her princess dress-up accoutrements. And uh, the original mess I had asked her to go take care of was essentially still strewn around all over the floor. And as I walked into the playroom, little hands go up. No, no, she shouted, and she raised her hands to keep me from seeing the mess that still remained in the playroom. What's wrong, Ellie Belly? <laughs> I said with a sigh. And as she wept, <laughs> it won't go in. What won't go in? <laughs> and she kept pantomiming, taking her tiara and banging it and clanging it on the closed lid of her little Rubbermaid organizer. And I looked at her, and in the sweetest voice I could muster, you can't just bang it on the lid, Ellie. And I was trying to be gentle, but of course there was the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so as the best dad I could be, I reached over, and with a stronger hand, I popped open the side. No, 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 I want to do it myself. And she reached over, and now that dad had loosened it, it was much easier to pop open. And I said, Ellie Grace, let me help. And I began to put away tiaras. And I began to clean. And I began to take over the tasks that I had assigned to my wonderful little princess. And what was great was when it was all done, she looks up at me and she goes, oh, I did it. And of course, once everything was away, I picked up my little girl and I said, wow, what a princess. Okay, but now it's time to cuddle daddy and it's time to get ready for bed. It's a good thing that our kids don't have to earn our love, isn't it? And as I read through this passage uh, these last couple of weeks and as I had this experience within the last week, I sat there and I stared at the whole situation and there I was in my faith. My beautiful little belligerent princess was a reflection of where I had stood in my faith so often. And I'm willing to bet you struggle with it, especially depending on your answer to my first question, do you feel empty? You see, I call myself a Christian which if I think about it is a very royal claim to call myself a little Christ like that, I know. But I claim it with pride and I pick up my little crown and I wear it around the house. And my father, who loves me, not because I put on a little crown, but simply because I'm his, watches me gamble about until he's ready to move me according to his plan, move me to something important, or maybe just to rest. I don't know, but he calls me just the same. Hey, little prince, 
It's time for the next thing. And there I weep and gnash my teeth. I can't do it. I can't. And he steps in the doorway. What's wrong, little prince? What's your burden? And I wave my hands. No, no, don't look at my mess. I have no room for my crown. And a kind father smiles and with a firm voice and a sigh says, well, you're all closed up, bub. What'd you expect? You see, I was trying to open up on my own. I was trying to gain depth on my own. I grasp and clasp with bleeding fingers on the very best of my efforts to find depth where I could store my royalty, my, my royalty. But the father opens me up and he filled my emptiness with crowns to a full fullness, all in all. The father pried me open and cleaned my mess. And I, a foolish child with the work accomplished, even had the blindness to say, oh, I did it. And this father who owed me punishment for my tantrums, it's all a part of being immature after all, picks me up. Wow, what a prince, he says. Come near me. It's time to rest. This is Paul's prayer for the church. And that is why we even began our 21 days of prayer with this emphasis on submission, that we are to be in active practice of submitting to the only God and entrust him to fill us to the fullest with his goodness in the deepest parts of us, submitting to him and to stop banging around on the surface. You see, my daughter would have had the easiest time of her life if she would have only walked into the kitchen and looked at her father and said, I can't do it. I need this opened up. I know what I would say. Absolutely beautiful. That's my girl. And you tell me, if you were sitting in my house and you witnessed this adorable little girl politely walk up and say, Daddy, please help me. I can't do this by myself. You would, of course, say, how cute. But you might also say, good job, Dad. In that one precious act, the observer sees a good father. The passage in, in, in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. But Pastor Zach, I'm, I'm not running around clanging around on the surface or anything. Maybe. But this is what it looks like. Maybe you've been in a battle with addiction. And of course, we know that this is a struggle that can last days or years. But I'm aware that some people will try to fight addiction with surface prayers, not wanting God to see their mess, though, of course, you know he sees it anyway. And so the tone of your prayers becomes, dear God, make my temptations less tempting. 
rather than a deep prayer that says, Lord, search me. Come deep into my life and change my heart. Some may pray, Lord, our world is facing racism. Please come and change people's hearts. Rather than, Lord, search me, and if there be any wicked way in my heart, Lord, snuff out my racism. Shine a light on things I don't even know are there. Come in deep. And here's the measure of his impact. It could be anything. You might be scared to explore this depth because you are concerned with what God might find. But here is what is cool. The more deep work that he does in your life, the more glory he gets. When he comes in and cleans house, you see all the more how incredibly powerful he is. By opening up to the deep work of God in our lives, he not only fills us with glory beyond compare, beyond measure, but it multiplies the glory of the Father. He proves himself to be the God who rescues the addict. He proves to be the God who kills our bigotry. He proves to be the God over pain and disease. And you can say, I did it all you want till you are blue in the face, but sole ownership of all of that glory is his. When God fills you, the measurement of his impact is not at all limited to just you. He is the fullness. He is all in all. He will pour into the deepest parts of you, parts that you thought were too deep to heal, parts that you thought were too wide to cross, and his fullness will yield and overflow. Paul's prayer is my prayer, is Pastor Chris's prayer, is this staff's prayer. It is a shepherd's prayer for this church. Paul pleaded with the Lord, please strengthen them in the innermost being. Strengthen them in the deepest hearts. Give them an awareness, a knowledge beyond their knowledge that can only come from the Spirit. Give them enlightenment and mindfulness that, though, that through the open door of submission, they would gladly allow the Holy Spirit to attune them to his glorious hope. That our Lord would pry open the surface of our faith with his strong hand and fill you with royalty and inheritance that cannot be earned, but is freely given. Now, again, there's, there's no magical formula to spiritual depth. I'm not here to give you the hocus pocus. No magical formula is given, but we are given a call to make powerful prayers. Prayers for depth, will come with confession. Prayers for depth will come with fasting. Not the kind of fasting where you just skip a meal and pray when you're hungry, but the kind of fasting where you sit closed-mouthed before the Lord after asking him to search the deepest part of you. It comes with hungrily pouring over the scriptures to let his infinite glory inform our identity because empty can mean just empty, but when my stomach is empty, I'm hungry. 
It comes with dangerous prayers that recognize that when you ask him to empty you of yourself, to be filled to the brim with him, there may not be room for some of the things you wish would stick around. Which is, again, why we've leaned on submission this last week. But is it worth it? Yes. Because he is infinitely worthy. Infinitely worthy. C.S. Lewis said it so well when he said, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. And so I would love to close in prayer today. But my sincerest hope is this prayer is a powerful prayer, a shepherd's prayer for the people of Lakeview through submission to open up their hearts to the deep working of our Lord because he is infinitely worthy. And to to bask in the overflow of his glory. So folks at home, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, this is why I come to pray today. That the people of this church, and of course the people of the church universal, but the people that are impacted here, my brothers and sisters at Lakeview, because of your glory, And because of your goodness, because you conquered the grave, because you are the only one that can fill every empty soul to the brim and beyond it, the one and only all in all, I pray that they would experience a deep filling. That all of the empty and dark places inside our spirit would be exposed and that you would not just come in, but you would build palaces, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, marking us for royalty for your work. Lord, we can only entrust these things to you because as a good father, when we are banging our hands on the surface and trying to solve for ourselves, you are good with a kind word and a real plan and a real solution and the only one with hands strong enough to open us to begin with. We need you to know you. And so, Lord, take us from this place in this time of worship and in this time of exploring your word, and would it not just sit in our homes? Lord, but would you deploy the church 
regardless of how strange our culture is right now in this time, would the church be deployed through full people so that the overflow would impact this world for you? We entrust these things to, to you in the name of a good father who loves us, in the name of a son who is our brother. Because of his sacrifice, we are healed and through the Holy Spirit who enables us to have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of strength that only you can provide. It's in your name. Amen.